The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In these chaotic times, many people are talking about a loss of confidence in being able to create a life of success and value. In the next hour, we'll hear from people who have faced challenges in their lives and thrived. Welcome to Louise Cohen's Changing Obstacles into New Possibilities. In her program, she will also help you work on a different strategy for success each week. And now, here's your host, Louise Cohen. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Hope you have had a successful week of changing obstacles into new possibilities. I have heard from clients, colleagues, and friends this past week that they have been going through many challenges, and I would say that I could add a few on the list myself. I hope that you've been um, able to reach out for support and new information to help you. The goal may simply be to just take another step forward, but I do hope that today's show will add to that support and information. You know, when we see a fearful incident on the news or experience our own crises, we often wish that someone else will come and save us from the potential disaster. It is important to reach out for support and information, but we also have to remember our own strengths, abilities, and our treasures within. I see the treasures within as the spiritual gifts you have been given at birth to overcome your obstacles. These gifts are within each individual, even if you have no spiritual beliefs at all. You know, we look for heroes in the news and put our hopes on people outside ourselves. Heroes are the example of the best in all of us, but that best is in all of us, too. I see that sometimes my clients forget their strengths and treasures within because they allow themselves to think about the fearful losses for the future instead of the possibilities. Each new day actually brings a chance for something to change in a positive direction. Before I can even help my clients find their strengths, they have to look their fears in the face. You look your fears in the face by taking one step at a time to do the thing which you think you cannot do. You may be surprised to see that a small step can open up new confidence. I feel that I interact each and every day with courageous people. They are my clients, my colleagues, my friends, my family members, and even a stranger I meet in the supermarket. They may not be involved in a relief effort for a big disaster or protecting someone else by putting their life at risk, but they are confronting life challenges day in and day out. It takes courage to keep committing yourself to your business goals when you're getting no results. It takes courage to deal with a disappointment at your job, such as a bad review or being turned down for a promotion. It takes courage to be out of a job and continually sending resumes with no success. It takes courage to apologize. It takes courage to hear a bad medical report for yourself or a loved one and not give up hope. It takes courage to live with an addiction and to get up each new day and recommit yourself to staying healthy. It takes courage to set limits with your children when all their friends are doing something different. It takes courage to tell the truth when it may cause you difficulty at your workplace or in a relationship. 
It takes courage to make peace with your insufficiencies and the parts of yourself that you don't like. It takes courage to live with a chronic depression, anxiety, or mental health disorder and get up each day and go out in the world when you would rather stay in bed and isolate from life. It takes courage to look in the mirror every day and see the effects of the aging process on your physical appearance. It takes courage to keep trying to renew your commitment to a difficult relationship. It takes courage to let go of a relationship that isn't healthy for you, even though you still have feelings for that person. It takes courage to let go of your children who are growing into adulthood because they have to go forward on their own. It takes courage to experience the death of someone important to you. It takes courage to forgive. I am moved by the courage I see every day as each one of us struggles with the challenges of our life journey. My goal is to encourage everyone to honor your efforts. I want to help you realize that it takes great courage to get up each day and try again, which brings us to the part in the show that gives you the skill to practice for the week. This skill is called Become Your Own Hero. Well, I have some surprising information to give you in order to practice your skill for the week. If you look at the many obstacles you have overcome in your life up to now, you could be in line for a medal. So your skill to practice for the week is to realize that you are already a hero. How many items can you check off on the courage list that I just read? How many other challenges can you add to the list? What skills did you use to face these difficult life challenges? Now is the time to stop, look at your strengths and skills, and accept that it is your courage that has brought you to this day. I want to give you a quote by Helen Keller that speaks to these issues. I long to accomplish great and noble tasks, but it is my chief duty to accomplish humble tasks. The world is moved along not only by mighty shoves of its heroes, but also by the aggregate of the tiny pushes of each honest worker. Well, I am so honored to introduce you to my guest today, Link Christian, who is the perfect example for me of learning how to be your own hero. Link, welcome to Changing Obstacles into New Possibilities. Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks so much. Oh, I'm so glad. Now, before we get into some discussion, let me tell my listeners a little about your background. So, Link Christian, J.D., M.A., L.A.D.C., is the director of the Hazelden Foundation's Legal Professional Program in Center City, Minnesota. Link practiced law for 25 years as a commercial litigator. After treatment for addiction more than seven years ago, he began his own path of recovery and change and is now a master's level addiction professional. He also teaches at the William Mitchell College of Law and is a faculty member of the Hazelden Graduate School of Addiction Studies. Well, welcome again. Thanks. Link, um, would you be willing to tell our listeners a little about your early life as a successful lawyer? Um, sure. I, I was uh, a, a sort of typical um, lawyer um, and ambitious young man who, you know, did well in high school, college, uh, um, never lacked um, what I thought was strength of ego and competitiveness, and uh, went to law school. And after law school, um, practiced as a public defender for six years where um, it was sort of a training ground to be mm-hmm. a trial lawyer. Wow. Then I um, proceeded to be a partner in two law firms on the East Coast uh, for about 20 years and was what is called a complex commercial litigator, which means I did cases that had fairly high stakes and um, 
you know, uh, lots of lots of work, uh, two or three years to get ready for trial, uh, well-known national clients, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, um, a fair amount of pressure. Um, um, it wouldn't surprise people to know that, um, I mean, I defended clients who had to go to jail. I, I worked with clients who had custody issues. But um, when people are dealing with money, uh, to them, there's nothing more important. And so the stress level even though it's just money, uh, is quite high because they, they've invested so much emotionally in, in the stakes. Mm-hmm. So, I, so did that, I did that for about 20 years. Wow. But it sounds like you certainly enjoyed a lot of that. I mean, it certainly was challenging and uh, interesting. And so, you know, I, I think for sometimes for listeners who hear people are successful and very productive and doing great things in life, they kind of wonder, well, what could have led you to addiction then? Well, um, I, I did love what I did, and I had a passion for it, um, but it's a two-edged sword. Uh, when you practice law at that level as a trial lawyer, if people either are lawyers themselves or know of lawyers, um, you know that uh, you pretty much uh, marry your job. And so the hours are extraordinary. Mm-hmm. It, it takes a lot out of you. It's not unusual for trial lawyers to have a lot of collateral damage in their life in terms mm-hmm. of their relationships, in terms of their families, that sort of thing. And it becomes a little bit of an isolating experience. So, so that's exactly what happened to me. I mean, I had two failed marriages, um, wow. did, not, did not have a family, um, found myself um, dealing with the stress and the insanity of the practice by medicating through alcohol and, and other medications. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And once you start doing that, if you've got the other... Um, predispositive, uh, you know, tendencies to alcoholism, genetic and mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It's a breeding ground for for what is a chronic disease to progress and to get worse. And that's exactly what happened to me. It just got worse over a period of time where for a long time I, I thought I was functioning. I wasn't missing anything. But, uh, but it was tearing me up physically and emotionally and spiritually and uh, eventually the consequences uh, uh, come home. Well, boy, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful to you for sharing that so honestly, Link, because I, I do think there are lots of people out there who are very successful and perhaps are going through similar experiences and, you know, wondering, well, gee, I, I thought everything was to reach the success, and why am I not happy and on this emptiness and the stress, and um, so I, I think it's really wonderful that you're willing to share that um, to let our listeners know that um, you know there are people out there who appear to be successful on the surface and are successful on a certain level, but other things are going on behind the scenes. Um, Louise, that's exactly right. I mean, my life at 50 years old um, actually looked perfect. I mean, I had a, a beautiful, loving wife. I had a magnificent house. Um, I overlooked, you know, 10 acres in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Wow. Um, I drove a certain kind of car. I wore a certain kind of clothes. I vacationed certain places. I mean, everything, everything that we think about as, um, you know, initially early in our life as important and as our goals, um, I had reached. So my life really did. It looked absolutely beautiful from the outside, it feels. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, you know, that's, um, I think certainly there are parts of it that are real, of course, but uh, then 
uh, actually when we are experiencing those realities with all the other challenges, uh, we begin to imagine, think of life in a different way. So, um, again, you know, you, you said that you had all this and you were using the medications and stuff. How long did you uh, really, in a way, go on that track before and what finally helped you to stop and say, wait a minute, what was going on? Well, I was I was kind of probably riding that track for 15 or 20 years. Wow. Um, the disease is very progressive, and uh, it's not unusual to characterize yourself as high-functioning. And, in fact, the term high-functioning alcoholic and high-functioning lawyer is tossed around, you know, uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, so I really look good and, and manage the consequences for a long time. But, you know, you reach a point, Louise, with this disease where you can no longer manage the consequences. You think you can control them, but you can't. And so what finally happened when I hit 50 is I had a personal crisis with my wife. We Mm -hmm. decided to go through a divorce. Wow. I'm so sorry. Yeah, and I was already sort of near the end of the disease. And all that happened was then... Um, I let go, and instead of my d- disease fitting into my life, um, I really fit my life into my usage and my and mm-hmm. my drinking. And in mm-hmm. a very short period of time, um, I, I I I just lost it all. I started drinking during the day. Mm-hmm. I, took, I took I took medication with alcohol, and so I had a variety of dramatic consequences within literally like a three-week period. I mean, everything Really? From, a three-week period? Wow. Yeah, I mean, everything from crashing a car to, um, you know, writing a memo t- uh, to my staff that apparently didn't have any vowels in it. Wow. Uh, um, to, um, you know, to losing my liberty for a period of time to, um, I mean, you name it, it was like a country western song that happened in just a three-week period. Yeah, uh, three weeks. Wow. And, and once those consequences all hit, I got fired from my job. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was literally, I, I, you know, they talk about an elevator that goes down to the bottom. I mean, it's like somebody cut the cord on the elevator. <laughs> wow. It crashed. Wow. It, it's, it's an incredible story, Link. I mean, you know, uh, it's just incredible to hear that everything happened in such a short time. But I I imagine that um, sometimes in order for us to uh, be able to uh, see that something isn't working, sometimes it has to be a crash, doesn't it? And sometimes instead of it coming to us more easily and saying, well, this isn't working, sometimes it has to be a crash. Is that that what happened for you? You couldn't see it or maybe you were seeing it and pushing it away? Yeah, you're seeing it and you're pushing it away and... The disease of addiction, in particular, is you're, you tend to go into denial. Mm-hmm. It's a brain. It's a brain disease, and what are you? Part of what your brain does is tell you that you can control it and you're okay. It's not like a chronic disease like cancer or diabetes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where you have objective information, where you say, "Oh my gosh, I have cancer." Um, mm-hmm. So you t- you kind of deny it for a long time. Lawyers are quite good. Quite good <laughs> because they they work from the brain, right? Yeah, they have, right. They have a way to find an excuse for everything. <laughs> They're very good at it, and uh, so um, it's not unusual for the consequences to serve as the motivation to to get help. And mm-hmm. either either the consequences hit and people die mm-hmm. and they lose their life, or it, it's a it's a call to arms to get help. Uh, it's one or the other. But uh, most people, for example, that come to Hazelden for addiction treatment 
are, they don't say, oh, gosh, I think I'm drinking a little too much or I'm using a little too mm-hmm, much. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit worried. Usually some pretty bad things have happened mm-hmm. that have motivated them. Well, along the way, while this was going on, were other people trying to help you see that? I know that that happens sometimes with family members or colleagues. Was anybody pointing out to you that these things were happening? Yes, it's it's not unusual that you're sort of the last to know. Mm-hmm. So I had colleagues and peers and my wife at the time all saying to me, we think you're drinking too much, we're mm-hmm. worried about your drinking, we're concerned. Um, and and I told all of them, I agree, um, you know, from now on I'm going to cut back mm-hmm. or I'm not going to drink during the week or, you know, you 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 tell them what you think they want to hear but what you actually do is you keep using and drinking mm-hmm. and you just try to be more covert mm-hmm. um, about mm-hmm. it and try to hide it from Well, you know, the thing that um, we're probably going to end up taking a break soon, but I think that what's important uh, for our listeners to understand is there, are, you know, we don't just, you're just not drinking or taking things just for fun. There's, a, there's an emotional pain or there's a stress going on that you need to um, really uh, quiet uh, and uh, so it's it's not like you just oh I'm drinking because it's fun. I mean, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think when people first uh, drink or use, quite often it's for fun and it's mm-hmm. a social. It's got a social benefit. Mm-hmm. But if you really if you really get into alcoholism and serious drinking and abusive drinking, um, Louise is exactly what you said. You are filling some kind of need. You are numbing. Uh, pain, you are numbing perhaps, um, uh, maybe you have issues with depression or a past mm-hmm. trauma or mm-hmm. stress at work. Um, and so what, so what you're doing really is, is you're using it to numb pain. And you're also, as I've discovered later um, in, in recovery, you are really filling a gap that's a spiritual gap. Mm-hmm. There's nothing mm-hmm. there that fills you up. So you feel kind of isolated mm-hmm. and empty. And, and drugs and alcohol help also to, um, to, 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 to numb that side mm-hmm. of you that, mm-hmm. that is, that's empty. You've, you've, a lot of alcoholics and, in fact, a lot of people who are just having trouble with life will, feel, will tell you they just feel empty spiritually. And mm-hmm. um, that's, that's a huge factor that I perhaps didn't recognize at the time, but uh, it's, it's it's a it's an enormous reason why I think people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, what's interesting about that is, it, as I started, you heard at the beginning of the show that I believe that people have given, been given the treasures within as they come into this life, and it's there. But if they're not connected to some perhaps a spiritual uh, path or anything, they think that it's not there for them. And um, the interesting thing about your treasures within is what I like to call the treasures within. It's really there for everybody, even if you don't have a spiritual belief. Uh, and it really is the part of ourselves that helps us to overcome challenges in healthy ways and helps us to go through the life uh, journey of losses and changes and deaths, you know. And yep. um, so it's interesting that you say that because I am really convinced that that is also an issue if people can begin to tune in with what I call their treasures within, they can begin to overcome their challenges without having to medicate or, you know, to do these things that end up not being very healthy for them. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Um, When I talk about these subjects, I say to people that once they stop drinking and using um, and discover a spiritual solution or something inside themselves, 
Um, it's way more than just not drinking and using. It's what they're doing is they're rediscovering their authentic self, mm-hmm. and that self might be who you were at 12 years old mm-hmm. um, when you, um, you know, went to a tap dance recital or you hit a home run in Little League or right. you know, these, these moments of authentic joy when we were ourselves. We don't lose who we are. Um, well, I am wanted. I want to get back to that just as soon as we take our break. It's such an important subject, so we are going to be taking a break shortly, and we'll get back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at one eight six six four seven two five seven eight seven. One eight six six four seven two fifty seven eighty seven. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Louise Cohen's new book, Changing Obstacles into New Possibilities, Strategies for Achieving Life Success and Satisfaction, gives us hope again that we can find our way out of the confusion and challenges of today's chaotic life. She shows you how to start getting a new sense of power back in your life by using inspirational quotes and practical skills to deal with your obstacles in new ways. You can order her book in paperback or Kindle edition at Amazon.com or on her website, www.positiveattitudecoaching.com. You can also order from her website her recent book that she co-authored with Deepak Chopra and Jack Canfield called Stepping Stones to Success. Experts share strategies for mastering business, life, and relationships. Be sure to visit positiveattitudecoaching.com today. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Louise Cohen's Changing Obstacles into New Possibilities. To connect with Louise or her guests this week, please call 1-866-472-5788. It's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back, everyone. We're listening to my guest, Link Christian. And Link, at the beginning of the show, I gave a very brief bio. So, can you tell your listener, uh, tell my listeners now, how they can reach your reach you to get your full bio or to reach you for speaking engagements or other questions? What do they need to do? Sure, um, I have um, I have an email, and um, the spelling is a little strange, but it's it's L Kristen. Um, and my last name is an unusual spelling, so it's L C H R I S T I N, and it's at Hazelden dot org, and Hazelden is spelled H A Z E L D E N dot org. Um, my direct phone number, uh, which you are absolutely free to call, is six five one two one three four one eight one, and if you go also to the Hazelden, just the general web page at Hazelden. Um, and go to the Legal Professionals homepage. There is a homepage about the program that I direct, and we have a five-minute movie we made about the program um, at Hazelden that helps anybody who's a legal professional, and they can find out more about the program there. So, that's, uh, Louise, that's a few ways that people Great. can reach me. Great. Thank in you. Thank you so much. Thank you, because I, I really do feel um, that it's going to be important for our guests to reach you. So let's get back to what you were saying, if you remember, um, <clears throat> 
uh, we were talking about um, the when you hit bottom and then you realize there was this emptiness and um, like something missing that you weren't connecting to spiritually. What 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 can you tell us to go on with that? I thought that was such an interesting direction. Well, I, I just think that we all have a, a self that we look at and it's kind of authentic, our, our authentic self, and maybe it's from childhood, maybe it. Maybe things went well during our 20s and 30s, and we have moments in relationships or in jobs or whatever where we feel a sense of real joy. Um, and uh, it can, you know, it can happen in a church, it can happen in nature, it can happen whatever. But I think everybody can look back and say, "Here's a time I felt real contentment, real serenity, real peace." And I think people lose that through through all kinds of things, through tragedies in life, through the ups and downs of life, through difficult careers, difficult relationships, difficult health issues, um, and they can lose track of what's inside of them that is joyful. And and um, what a 12-step program um, for me did was help me reconnect to that authentic self. And it's one of the reasons they use the 12-step for everything from people who are overweight, who have gambling issues, to have depression issues. Um, you know, the 12 steps are used as a way to live. And, uh, and, uh, and so, I- as briefly as I can, that's, that's what worked for me, and that's what helped me go back to discover the, the person I was when I was 13 years old, which is the, you were talking about the theme of the show being become your own hero. Um, my hero now is the person I was when I was 13, and yeah, in, many ways, in many ways I feel like I'm still 13. How beautiful. What was it about you at 13 that you think you lost? I mean, even just a few things. Um, I, I, think, I think what happened was that, um, and like many people who are teenagers, um, they get caught up in a series of values that aren't necessarily values that will serve them well as they get older, and that includes putting too much importance on relationships, too much importance on material things, um, too much importance on success or reaching this goal, you know, becoming mm-hmm. in this position or making this much money by a certain age. And, and I think a lot of people, when they get to those goals, even if they haven't had addiction issues or anything, exactly. they feel a sense of emptiness that was, was it really worth it? And, um, so that's, Louise, in very general sense, I think that's what happens to a lot of people is they, they buy into a set of values that aren't values that are going to make them really, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. serene and happy and, and live what I would call a, a meaningful life. You know, that's, uh, I'm so glad that you mentioned, uh, Link, that these are the same issues for people whether they have addiction or not. I mean, addiction happens to be one way that people get away from their authentic self, but um, there are so many other aspects of life where people, that's to me why I feel people in recovery are, are always a great inspiration to me because, uh, you know, they are getting up every day and trying to live their authentic self while they have also this issue of addiction. And so getting up every day and trying again, Everybody has to do that, whether they have addiction or not, with the, you know, the many things that I listed in the beginning of the program. Um, so I'm so glad you mentioned that this isn't really just about addiction. It's about how to live an authentic life. Absolutely. I mean, I, if, you know, what, what 
keeps me in recovery is not uh, whether I drink or not. It's the it's the doors it's opened to a life I never would have had, but mm-hmm. for hitting the bottom. I mean, to I, I mean, not to sound Pollyanna about it, but but hitting the bottom actually turned out to be an opportunity for me mm-hmm. because instead of just being stuck like a lot of people, where they just kind of go through the, their life on automatic pilot, um, it gave me a chance to reexamine my life and kind of and almost reinvent myself. Wow! And uh, to do that at 50, um, first of all, I didn't think it was possible. <laughs> and second of all, I can't even tell you how exciting it, it was to do. Isn't that great? And you know what? I like when you say you didn't think it was possible. And I don't think we know what's possible until we scrape away the things that are in the way of, you know, blocking us really to live, as you say, the authentic self. Um, and so I, I really think that, again, I want to encourage my listeners that right now, today, if you're stuck in a challenge or you, you know, have obstacles that you feel can't move, um, how to get the information to start moving that out of the way um, so that you can see what's possible. So I, I really am grateful that you said that because I think that's really an issue for lots of people. You know, I know in recovery, um, you, um, having been in recovery, it had some impact on your values. Um, what do you, do you see differently uh, after recovery? What, what do you find important in your life now that you didn't see when you were living that uh, supposedly successful life as a lawyer and, and doing all those incredible out-in-the-world out things? It's, um, it's not complicated, um, but, it's, but it's profoundly different. I mean, I used to live uh, based on the kind of values I talked about before that I adopted when I was a competitive teenager who wanted to accomplish everything that we Americans think of as a perfect life. Um, and now, um, you know, it's way more tied to actually what a lot of the Eastern mm-hmm. religious disciplines discovered mm-hmm. a long time ago, Buddhism, Taoism, that sort of thing, which is the ability to live in the moment and the value of living today and appreciating today and not beating yourself up for the past and not having a lot of expectations for the future, um, and just living responsibly every day. And the second thing that happens to have been a huge change for me is a sense of getting outside yourself and making a difference in the world or with other people. And um, I'm not saying you have to join the Peace Corps and, you know, go somewhere 5,000 miles away, but there's all kinds of little things we can do every day that can make a difference in the lives of other people. And when we do that, we get outside of ourselves. And um, the, that combination of living in the moment and looking outside myself and trying to make a little bit of a difference in the, the, the world or in other people's lives, those are the two tenets that... Um, you know, that I would not have recognized in myself a decade ago. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because you would have thought, you know, as a lawyer, that was something valuable. You were doing things that the world accepted as valuable. And yet you're now coming to a whole different kind of what is valuable. And I think that's fascinating. You know, I think it's also, when you talk about it, it's something like, I actually, when I have clients that have had very big jobs and, and then they lose their job, uh, and they're having difficulty finding a new job. One of the things I tell them to do, which is interesting, is 
to go and be useful somewhere. You have an awful, it doesn't mean you have to go to a food pantry and, and, and dish out food. It means that you have some way to be, uh, to contribute to somebody else. And what I find is that if you do that, you know, even if it's working to mentor somebody or to do something to help somebody get back on their feet, even though you're not, um, it reminds you of your sense of value so that when you actually have to uh, find a new position, you, you remember that you actually have self-confidence. I, I agree. and I mean, I think one of the ways that I don't have children, but my sisters all do, but I think people sometimes who are parents lose sight of that um, about what, you know, it's so hard to be a parent, but to think of what they're actually doing day after day, and those are long, hard days, but by by raising children and by leaving a legacy of, of who you are with those children, um, you know, that's a perfect example of getting outside of yourself and, you know, and achieving perhaps the highest achievement you can achieve in your life. But I, I see people lose sight of that, you know, that uh, how important that is. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great point because... Um, I, uh, I think it must be the hardest job in the world to really let go and allow your children, for instance, to be what they think is important, even though you see or you, you're concerned about their future or their security and you're allowing them to, to search that out. I think that's really important. But the fact that you don't have children, Link, doesn't mean that you don't do that, I think, with uh, the clients that you work with at Hazelden. I, I would think you probably have some great stories about that. Um, I do. It's, I mean, I made a real conscious decision to, um, I mean, I had some really nice jobs that were legally connect, related, um, you know, after I got sober. And it was only a few years ago that I decided to go get my master's in addiction counseling. Mm-hmm. I had been helping lawyers and judges as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. But I just... I mean, not to sound too mushy about it, but I mean, I found it so fulfilling to to help these people who were in such pain because uh-huh, uh-huh. the, the pain of being an isolated alcoholic uh-huh. or addict or addict is just extraordinary. And 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 to be able to touch that, I thought, you know what? I'm in my fifties. Why not do? I didn't have children. Why not do something now where I can have make that kind of a difference? So. Um, literally every day, and it includes calls on weekends from lawyers in trouble, hmm. you wow. know, who are at their office by themselves having a drink. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, almost every day, in a little way, I feel like um, I, I've influenced somebody's life. Maybe, and it doesn't it doesn't matter if they come to Hazelden or not. If they can just get something from having talked to me, and sometimes they come to Hazelden, but um, I do feel a sense of purpose. And, um, I mean, I did make a very conscious decision to, to do a second career that was very much outward-looking. Very different than, than your first career, <laughs> or if you will, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, we really, I think, at different stages of our life, whether you have um, addiction or any other uh, difficult problem, uh, that at different stages of our life, uh, you may have found, even without the addiction, that you reached a certain point in your career and you said, you know, there's parts of me that aren't being used and maybe I want to try something else. And I think that that's an encouragement to our listeners, too, to realize that they can have the courage to 
explore something new, not to, not to give up your career and, 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 you know, but to do it one step at a time, but that you can have the courage to explore something new in yourself. You were, and again, I know this sounds strange, but I know you understand, you were kind of lucky that that happened to you because you may never have given up your legal profession. Now, I, I think people in their own way get addicted to the security of their life mm-hmm. and to the comfort of their life or the predictability of their life. Um, I happen to think change is incredibly hard, and I think we tend to have a natural fear of change. And I think um, the heroic act is actually changing. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's really easy not to change. Um, but the, the heroic act is to change. I, I know two different lawyers who did not have addiction problems, and they were great trial lawyers. And at the age of 50, each one of them, this is a, two different stories, mm-hmm. went to become high school English teachers. Wow. Because that was sort of what they really wanted to do then. And so they gave up the micromansions. They gave up the, wow. the, the huge money because they wanted to teach high school English. Wow. So, so, you know, uh, we're seeing more of those stories with second careers, uh-huh. with people who are living longer and have the ability to have an extended second career. And we're seeing people, and I mean, I don't think this means you let your children starve, but I think we're seeing people that just by downsizing and changing some, they can have a lot more passion and fulfillment as they get old enough to know what means something to them. Exactly. And I think because of what's going on now in the world and, and in the economy and people are really being forced to look at that issue, actually, that you actually can downsize. And in that process, you can have the freedom to explore something else. And I think that's you know something that's happening now is that people are being forced to look at that just the way you were forced to look at um, the fact that you needed to change your life because of the addiction. And I think that um, for our listeners, again, who may not be addicted, but these are really lessons, life lessons that apply to everybody, you know, at different stages and in going through, say, crisis of economy and things like yeah. that. Don't, don't you agree? Or do you agree? Louise, <laughs> yeah, I agree, and I think they're almost opportunities. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you use the word lessons, but I like the word opportunities. It's these, I mean, I know that, the, the events are hard. I mean, it was hard when I crashed. It's hard for people to get laid off and lose jobs. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but, I mean, truly, um, people can look back on these times as opportunities and say, but for this, I would have stayed in that job. I exactly. would have been miserable. I, you know, I wouldn't have realized my potential to do this. So, I mean, I... I mean, uh, you know, th- there's no way you avoid some of the pain and difficulty of the change. But I think the end result is if you can look at these as opportunities, it actually can fuel you with energy and enthusiasm to move forward rather than what you were talking about, which is how do you send more resumes out? How do you get exactly, the energy to do exactly. this? Well, I want to pick this up. We're going to take a short break, and we'll continue. Thanks so much, and we'll be back to you in just a bit, listeners. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Louise Cohen's new book, Changing Obstacles into New Possibilities, Strategies for Achieving Life Success and Satisfaction, gives us hope again that we can find our way out of the confusion and challenges of today's chaotic life. She shows you how to start getting a new sense of power back in your life by using inspirational quotes and practical skills to deal with your obstacles in new ways. You can order her book in paperback or Kindle edition at Amazon.com or on her website, www.positiveattitudecoaching.com. You can also order from her website her recent book that she co-authored with Deepak Chopra and Jack Canfield called Stepping Stones to Success. Experts share strategies for mastering business, life, and relationships. Be sure to visit positiveattitudecoaching.com today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Louise Cohen's Changing Obstacles into New Possibilities. To connect with Louise or her guests this week, please call 1-866-472-5788. It's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back. We are talking to my guest, Link Christian, and I'm sure our listeners have many questions for our guests, so we look forward to hearing from you, and in the meanwhile, we'll continue on with this uh, you know, wonderful discussion. So, um, Link, uh, what would you say would be the hardest thing? I know you, um, that adults do have difficulty in changing in fundamental ways, but I know it sounds like from what you're saying you think that they can change. I do, too, because I work with people every day that think they can't change and step by step we, we help them change you know to, to feel more of fulfillment and success uh, but what do you think the blocks are for some people to change I think the blocks are um, sort of what I referenced before which is um, um, what I think is I, I think it's an over-reliance on security and comfort mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and predictability and safety and just a sense that, is, you know, things are the same. They may not be great. They might be a little sad. They might not be giving you much, but at least they're predictable. And at least you know what to expect. And I think people fall into, and, and I'm not saying there's not value in that, but I'm saying I think people fall into that. It's almost like a narcotic. And it's like here a year goes by, and five years, and ten years, and twenty years. And they keep these little, what they call bucket lists. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, here's some things I'd really like to do. And it can be everything as simple as go to Italy to learn a language, to a, a new profession, to perhaps some new relationships. And, 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 you know, these things stay outside as just sort of like on a wish list. And, and I think, and I, I think the exciting thing for people to realize is they don't have to be on a wish list. You can you can make them happen, and I think what's hard is a lot of people don't make them happen until they have no other choice. You know, somebody divorces them, or they get laid off from a job, mm-hmm. or they hit a bottom with a disease like I did, um, or they survive cancer, and you know those those kinds of events provoke change, and sometimes you have no choice. But the hard thing about being forced into change is you're going through the sadness of the loss, and you've got to re-energize yourself. 
it's wonderful if people can, and I, I didn't do this myself, but it's wonderful if before they have to hit the bottom, mm-hmm, they can mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. you know what, life needs to be more than this for me. I'm mm-hmm. not getting what I need to, to fill myself up with life. You know, I, I, I think that's so true, and I think what I see with clients and you know, even as over my life, over oh, the changes and new steps in my life, I think what's scary for people is they, <clears throat> they think there has to be this big, major change that they're going to do. And what I try to help people look at is step by step, one little step a week, a month, a year. For instance, you say the bucket list. You don't have to do everything on the bucket list. Maybe you can pick one thing on the bucket list for that next six months, you know, or plan a trip once a year. Uh, but um, I think that it's scary for people to think of change as something really drastic in their lives. And I try to encourage people to think of change as little steps at a time. It is amazing. It's kind of miraculous that one step to the next step to the next step brings us to places that we don't expect. You know, and so um, I think it's um, it's really helpful for people to just try and take one step, and then it's kind of like what happened for me when I decided to um, give up my fashion career, which I loved, and go back to school and become a therapist. And uh, all those blocks that were there for me is, oh, there's no way I'm going to go back to school, and I didn't even want to go to school, and I had to go to school, and all this kind of thing. And uh, so, but I kept feeling that I wanted to do something different. Um, to be valuable to people because I myself had had such an amazing experience in going through this therapeutic process myself. And so basically I took one course, one course at night while I was still fully involved in my other career and then I took another course and, and I was still fully involved in my other career and and before I knew it, it was starting to get so interesting and then I took another and then by the time I looked, I, my goodness, I had an accumulation of credits, and I actually could actually take a next step and decide to, you know, get my master's or, you know, decide to uh, go in another direction. So I really try to encourage people to just try things, you know, little things one step at a time. How about for you? You had to make some drastic changes. Do you encourage people when you're working with them to how – how do you encourage them to take their steps? I think um... – uh, what life coaches and career coaches characterize this is building bridges mm-hmm. to a to a change, and I love that analogy because you're exactly right. You, you can't wake up one day and have a second career, um, and it's just like a diet. You can't wake up one day and be 30 pounds lighter. Um, so you've got to plan ahead of time. Okay, for eight weeks, I'm going to do this low carb deal, mm-hmm. and then. For the next year, I'm going to have this maintenance diet. It's exactly the same. If a, if, a, if, if a man or woman wakes up in their 40s or 50s, and let's assume their children are out of the house, and they say, you know what, I want to be, I've always wanted to teach third grade. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. you know, you can't become a third grade teacher overnight. But if you've got a college degree, for example, maybe you have to get certified. Maybe you, take, you have to take four extra courses to be certified in the state you're in. And then you have to substitute teach for a year. Well, you 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 put those on a timeline, mm-hmm. and you just knock those off. And it's just it's it's almost like problem solving. You just simply say, if I do these things for the next two years, guess what? I'm going to wake up and be teaching third grade. 
And it's very similar experience you went through. And all I'm suggesting is that they can do it in even more of, uh, of a predictable way. Mm-hmm. They, can, they can actually take their bridge and look at where their bridge will take them in two years and set up specific tasks that they do for two years. Um, and uh, it's, it's nothing but actually just problem solving. And it's a way to get from mm-hmm. A to B without spending your life thinking, I wish I could be in B. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you must do something similar with your uh, clients at Hazleton. I mean, do you, uh, to help them to take new steps. We, we do. Um, and I know we, the 12-step is a big part of that. Yeah, but we do. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I tend, I tend at Hazleton to have clients who are lawyers and judges and law students and they have quite often a lot of experience, and they have a really significant education mm-hmm. and a pretty high skill set. So with them, it's just a matter of saying, you know what, if you get sober and you get into recovery, you know, you're going to be fine out there in the marketplace. There are going to be a lot of people that, that are going to want your skill set and want what you do. And it might not be going back into the legal profession. But I sort of say, you know what, you're somebody that already got here, so you've got a toolkit. Right. Uh, and once you're, once you're enthused in, in recovery, you're not going to have any trouble um, finding, in a very natural way, finding your way to a place where you're kind of meant to be. And, uh, and uh, there's, a, there's a little bit of a spiritual element to that, but it absolutely works. And instead of uh, agonizing about it, instead of having expectations, instead of being panicked about it, um, um, I sort of say, you know, it'll all come. And if what hits them is that they want to, like with me, I wanted to professionally help addicts, then one of the tangible things I did as my bridge was go and get mm-hmm. my master's. Right, and exactly. So it'll all come to them. Um, and that's and and that's what I tell them, and it will come to them in unpredictable ways. And the only thing they can do is get in their way, and they need to get out of their way. Get out of their way, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, so so when you said there's a little bit of a spiritual component, how how do you describe that? But the spiritual component is that by sort of letting go of the mm-hmm. result, um, I happen to think people end up where they're meant to be. And, I get it, right. Mm-hmm. And so there's a little time, whether you call it Buddhism or Taoism mm-hmm. or you call it the 12 steps, mm-hmm. I kind of think that you give up a little bit of this kind of super control we want to have. Yeah. And you just, you just do the next right thing, you, like you did. You took this course, then you took this course, then you took this course. And, you know, you were just doing it one step at a time. And it led you to where you are today. And so that's what I emphasize is don't get caught up in the big picture. It, it'll probably, you'll probably be somewhere you didn't expect. I suspect your places that you didn't expect to be. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> exactly. When I went into fashion, there was no way I would imagine <laughs> I had any interest in that at all, you know, some years before. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, it's really, it is surprising. Uh, but I like what you said, don't totally look at the big picture. I mean, you might have that fantasy out there, oh, I want to be. But I like the idea that you say don't hook into the big picture because I think what happens, and I see that with my clients, that when they try to hook into the big picture, it gets very scary for them and very overwhelming. 
And uh, so when I tried to hook into the big picture that I wanted to become a therapist, get a degree, oh, there was no way I could even see that. No. So just saying, let me just take a course. You know, let me see what yep. this feels like. Yeah, the and big picture. The big picture is your dream, but you get hooked on the dream and you get paralyzed, and your dream's just fantasy. Exactly. And, and so you don't get to any dream without just doing the daily and weekly and monthly. The step-by-step-by-step. Step step, step. And, and you may end up where you thought your dream was, and you may end up somewhere else. Exactly. But guess what? Wherever you end up is going to be the right place for you. I love that. I think that, um, that, you know, that letting go and having a, that faith that something maybe higher than yourself, or bigger than yourself is leading you down a path and, and to experience everything along the way and to um, be able to... Um, trust that I like that also, that wherever you end up, that's where you're supposed to be, not necessarily where you may have thought you were supposed to be. I, I think that's true, and I don't think it has anything to do with addiction or alcoholism or anything. I, I think it's just a, an exciting, meaningful way to live life. And, um, and uh, the, what I know about your show is sort of um, you know, promoting that kind of, of of bravery and courage to live the kind of life we deserve to live. Well, you know, what's interesting uh, in conceiving of this show, I realized there were so many different kinds of situations and people out there, which is why I went in the beginning of the show to read that whole list. There's so many different kinds of people who are trying to create life success and fulfillment and, you know, have to overcome these obstacles. So um, my my passion for the show is to really put out there that we, you don't have to be, you don't have to have some major important person to do something for you. You really have it within yourself to mm-hmm. to do that. And uh, that's what I love about what you're saying is that as you um, kind of stripped away the outer life that uh, wasn't working for you anymore, you found uh, a new inner life, a new self that you never even knew was there. Oh, or that gosh, you lost. No. You and, might have and, known it was there when you were younger, but you lost no. it. And certainly none of my friends or family knew it was there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it must have been fascinating for your family to uh, see all this happening. And I know they must be so um, really happy for you today that you're, they were, you were able to, and your friends and your colleagues were able to uh, completely transform um, your life into something meaningful. It's, it's another part of the change that's wonderful is that, you know, suddenly you're good company again, suddenly you're even-tempered, suddenly you're mm. composed and peaceful mm-hmm. and happy. And I mean, it really does spread to your family and your friends and Absolutely. Your, the people you work with. And, I mean, truly, it's, it spreads in a way that's good for them and also provides positive feedback to you. Absolutely. You know, uh, we, we didn't have any callers come on unless they just were not able to, you know, h- h- tune in uh, during the uh, live show, but you hopefully there are going to be many who are going to tune in later. They can podcast it and they can um, download it. Uh, but uh, tell us one more time. There may be many listeners who just didn't feel perhaps the courage to ask a question. Sometimes that happens. So tell our listeners again, uh, Link, how they can reach you, because uh, I think it was very great for you to give them a number that they could even call if they had questions to ask. Sure. I've got my number, and I live in Minnesota, is 651-213-4181. 
and they can email me at lchristin, L-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N, at hazelden, H-A-Z-E-L-D-E-N.org. And I'm happy to talk to anybody personally, and I also um, speak on issues like this as well as a variety of addiction issues. I speak mm-hmm. nationally on these issues. Great. And I'm happy to come visit uh, groups and organizations. Wonderful. Um, well, you know, I don't know how you have the time. You know what I was thinking? That all this uh, a personality stuff that you put into your legal profession, you now have used, you're now using it to help others. Well, the one thing about not drinking or using any <laughs> drugs is it opens up a lot more hours in the day. <laughs> a lot more energy, right? Oh, yeah. It, and you no had comparison. so much energy anyway. You had no idea that all of it was being, uh, you know, kind of mashed down. No. And, and now when I hear what you're doing, I go, oh, my goodness, uh, this is more than the legal uh, profession. No, I'm, I'm uh, and I mean, I say this seriously, at 59, I'm more productive Great. Uh, well, you know, unfortunately, yeah. I could talk to you for hours, but we are coming to the end yeah. of the show. And I uh, thank you again for being my guest. You're welcome. Uh, and thank you for giving us, um, you know, the information. Uh, before we close, I always like to uh, do a quote, and this one is from Mary Ann Radmacher, and it says, Courage does not always roar. Sometimes courage is the quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. And I hope that's the message that our listeners have gotten today. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, as we bring you more inspirational stories and tips for success on Louise Cohen's Changing Obstacles into New Possibilities. See you then.